0: chapter twenty seven of oliver twist by charles dickens this librivox recording is in the public domain chapter twenty seven atones for the unpoliteness of a former chapter which deserted a lady most unceremoniously as it would be and by no means seemly in a humble author to keep so mighty a personage as the beadle waiting with his back to the fire and the skirts of his coat gathered up under his arms until such times, it might suit his pleasure to relieve him and as it would still less become his station or his gallantry to involve in the same neglect a lady on whom the beadle had looked with an eye of tenderness and affection and in whose ear he had whispered sweet words which coming from such a quarter might well thrill the bosom of a maid or matron of whatsoever degree the historian whose pen traces these words trusting that he knows his place that he entertains a becoming reverence for those upon earth to whom high and important authority is delegated, hastens to pay them that respect which their position demands, and to treat them with all that duteous ceremony, which their exalted work and, by consequence, great virtues, imperatively claim at his hands. Towards this end, indeed, he had proposed to introduce in this place a dissertation touching the divine right of beadles and the elucidative of the position that a beadle can do no wrong, which could not fail to have been both pleasurable and profitable to the right-minded reader, but which he is unfortunately compelled, by want of time and space, to postpone to some more convenient and fitting opportunity, on the arrival of which he will be prepared to show that a beadle, properly constituted, that is to say a parochial beadle, attached to a parochial workhouse, and attending it in his official capacity, the parochial church, is in right and virtue of his office, possessed of all the excellences and best qualities of humanity, and that to none of these excellences can mere company's beadles, or court of law beadles, or even chapel of ease beadles, save the last, and they are in a very lowly and inferior degree, lay the remotest sustainable claim. Mr Bumble had recounted the teaspoons, reweighed the sugar tongs, made a closer inspection of the milk pot, and ascertained to a nicety the exact condition of the furniture, down to the very horsehair seats of the chairs, and had repeated each process full half a dozen times before he began to think that it was time for Mrs. Corney to return. Thinking begets thinking, and as there were no sounds of Mrs. Corney's approach, It occurred to mr bumble that it would be an innocent and virtuous way of spending the time if he were further to allay his curiosity by a curious glance at the interior of mrs corney's chest of drawers having listened at the keyhole to assure himself that nobody was approaching the chamber mr bumble beginning at the bottom proceeded to make himself acquainted with the contents of the three long drawers which being filled with various garments of good fashion and texture carefully preserved between two layers of old newspapers, speckled with dry lavender, seemed to yield him some exceeding satisfaction. Arriving in course of time at the right-hand corner drawer, in which was the key, and beholding there in a small padlocked box, which being shaken, gave forth a pleasant sound, as of the chinking of coin, Mr. Bumble returned with a stately walk to the fireplace, and resuming his old attitude with a grave and determined air, i'll do it he followed up this remarkable declaration by shaking his head in a waggish manner for ten minutes as though he were remonstrating with himself for being such a pleasant dog then he took a view of his legs in profile with much seeming pleasure and interest he was still placidly engaged in this latter survey but mrs corney hurrying into the room threw herself in a breathless state on a chair by the fireside covering her eyes with one hand placed the other over her heart and gasped for breath mrs corney said the bumble stooping over the matron what is this ma'am has anything happened ma'am pray answer me i am on on mr bumble in his alarm could not immediately think of a word tenterhooks so he said broken bottles oh mr bumble cried the lady i have been so dreadfully put out put out ma'am exclaimed mr bumble who has dared to "'I know,' said Mr. Bumble, checking himself with native majesty. "'It's them wishous paupers.' "'It's dreadful to think of,' said the lady, shuddering. "'And don't think of it, ma'am,' rejoined Mr. Bumble. "'I can't help it,' whimpered the lady. "'Then take something, ma'am,' said Mr. Bumble, soothingly. "'A little of the wine.' "'Oh, not for the world,' replied Mrs. Corney. "'I couldn't. Oh, the top shelf in the right-hand corner. Oh!' uttering these words the good lady pointed distractedly to the cupboard and underwent a convulsion from internal spasms mr bumble rushed to the closet snatching up a pint green glass bottle from the shelf thus incoherently indicated filled a teacup with its contents and held it to the lady's lips oh, i'm better now said mrs corney falling back after drinking half of it mr bumble raised his eyes piercely to the ceiling in thankfulness and bringing them down again to the brim of the cup, lifted it to his nose. Peppermint, exclaimed Mrs. Corney in a faint voice, smiling gently on the beadle as she spoke. Try it. There's a little, little something else in it. Mr. Bumble tasted the medicine with a doubtful look. Smacked his lips, took another taste, and put the cup down, empty. It's very comforting, said Mrs. Corney. Very much so indeed, ma'am, said the beadle. As he spoke, he drew a chair beside the matron. And tenderly inquired what had happened to distress her nothing replied mrs Corney. I am a foolish, excitable, weak creature. Not weak, ma'am, retorted mr Bumble drawing his chair a little closer. Are you a weak creature, mrs Corney? We are all weak creatures, said mrs Corney laying down a general principle. So we are, said the beadle. Nothing was said on either side for a minute or two afterwards. By the expiration of that time, mr bumble had illustrated the position by removing his left arm from the back of mrs corney's chair where it had previously rested to mrs corney's apron-string round which it gradually became entwined we are all weak creatures said mr bumble mrs corney sighed don't sigh mrs corney said mr bumble i can't help it said mrs corney and she sighed again this is a very comfortable room ma'am said mr bumble looking round another room and this man would be a complete thing it would be too much for one murmured the lady but not for two ma'am rejoined mr bumble with her soft accents eh hey, mrs corney mrs corney drooped her head when the beadle said this the beadle drooped his too to get a view of mrs corney's face thus mrs corney with great propriety turned her head away and released her hand to get at her pocket handkerchief but insensibly replaced it in that of Mr. Bumble. "'The board allows you coals, don't they, Mrs. Corney?' inquired the beadle, affectionately pressing her hand. "'And candles,' replied Mrs. Corney, slightly returning the pressure. Coals, candles and a house rent-free,' said Mr. Bumble. "'Oh, Mrs. Corney, what an angel you are!' The lady was not proof against this burst of feeling. She sank into Mr. Bumble's arms, and that gentleman in his agitation imprinted a passionate kiss upon her chaste nose. "'Such parochial perfection!' exclaimed Mr. Bumble rapturously. "'You know that Mr. Slout is worse to night, my fascinator?' "'Yes,' replied Mrs. Corney bashfully. "'He can't live a week,' the doctor says, pursued Mr. Bumble. "'He's the master of this establishment. "'His death will cause a vacancy, and a vacancy must be filled up.' "'Oh, Mrs. Corney, what a prospect this opens. "'What an opportunity!' For a joining of hearts and housekeepings. Mrs. Corney sobbed. The little word, said Mr Bumble, bending over the bashful beauty. The one little word. The one little little word, my blessed Corney. Yes, replied the matron. One more, pursued the beadle. Compose your darling feelings for only one more. When is it to come off? Mrs Corney twice essayed to speak and twice failed at length summoning up courage she threw her arms round mr bumble's neck and said it might be as soon as he ever pleased and that he was an irresistible duck matters being thus amicably and satisfactorily arranged the contract was solemnly ratified in another tea-cupful of the peppermint mixture which was rendered the more necessary by the flutter and agitation of the lady's spirits while it was being disposed of she acquainted mr bumble with the old woman's decease very good said that gentleman sipping his peppermint i'll call at Sowerbys as i go home and tell him to send to-morrow morning was it that that frightened you love it wasn't anything in particular dear said the lady evasively must have been something love urged mr bumble won't you tell your own bee not now rejoined the lady one of these days after we're married dear after we're married exclaimed mr bumble it wasn't any impotence when any of them male paupers as No, no, love, interposed the lady hastily. If I thought it was, continued Mr. Bumble, if I thought as any one of them, had dared to lift his vulgar eyes to that lovely countenance. They wouldn't have dared to do it, love, responded the lady. They'd better not, said Mr. Bumble, clenching his fist. Let me see any man parochial or extra-parochial as would presume to do it or I could tell him that he wouldn't do it a second time. Unembellished by any violence of gesticulation, this might have seemed no very high compliment to the lady's charms. But as Mr. Bumble accompanied the threat with many warlike gestures, she was much touched with this proof of his devotion, and protested with great admiration that he was indeed a dove. The dove then turned up his coat-collar and put on his cocked hat, having exchanged a long and affectionate embrace with his future partner, once again braved the cold wind of the night, merely pausing for a few minutes in the male paupers' ward to abuse them a little with the view of satisfying himself that he could fill the office of workhouse master with needful asseverity. Assured of his qualifications, Mr Bumble left the building with a light heart and bright visions of his future promotion which served to occupy his mind until he reached the shop of the undertaker. Now, Mr. and Mrs. Sowerberry, having gone out to tea and supper, and Noah Claypole not being at any time disposed to take upon himself a greater amount of physical exertion than is necessary to a convenient performance of the two functions of eating and drinking, the shop was not closed. Although it was past the usual hour of shutting up, mr bumble tapped with his cane on the counter several times but attracting no attention and beholding a light shining through the glass window of the little parlour at the back of the shop he made bold to peep in and see what was going forward and when he saw what was going forward he was not a little surprised the cloth was laid for supper the table was covered with bread and butter plates glasses a porter pot and a wine bottle at the upper end of the table, Mr. Noah Claypole, lolled negligently in an easy chair, with his legs thrown over one of the arms and an open clasp-bife in one hand and a mass of buttered bread in the other. Close beside him stood Charlotte, opening oysters from a barrel, which Mr. Claypole, condescending to swallow, with remarkable avidity. A more than ordinary redness in the region of the young gentleman's nose, and a kind of fixed wink in his right eye, denoted that he was in a slight degree intoxicated these symptoms were confirmed by the intense relish with which he took his oysters for which nothing but a strong appreciation of their cooling properties in cases of internal fever could have sufficiently accounted here's a delicious fat one noah dear said charlotte try him do only this one "'What a delicious thing is an oyster,' remarked Mr Claypole after he had swallowed it. "'What a pity it is a number of them should ever make you feel uncomfortable, isn't it, Charlotte?' "'It's quite a cruelty,' said Charlotte. "'So it is,' acquiesced Mr Claypole. "'Are you fond of oysters?' "'Not overmuch,' replied Charlotte. i like to see eat of Noah, dear, better than eating em myself.' "'Lore,' said Noah, "'how queer!' "'Have another,' said Charlotte. It is one with such a beautiful, delicate beard, can't manage any more, said Noah, I'm very sorry, come here, Charlotte, and I'll kiss you. what said Mr. Bumble, bursting into the room, say that again, sir, Charlotte uttered a scream and hid her face in her apron. Mr. Claypole, without making any further change in his position and suffering his legs to reach the ground, gazed at the beetle in drunken terror say it again you vile audacious fellow said mr bumble how dare you mention such a thing sir how dare you encourage him you insolent minx kiss her exclaimed mr bumble with strong indignation i didn't mean to do it said noah blubbering she's always a kissing of me whether i like it or not oh noah cried charlotte reproachfully you are you know you are retorted noah she's always a doing of it mr bumble sir she shucks me under the chin please sir and makes all manner of love silence cried mr bumble sternly take yourself downstairs ma'am noah you shut up the shop say another word till your master comes home at your peril and when he does come home tell him that mr bumble said he was to send an old woman's shell after breakfast to-morrow morning do you hear sir kissing cried mr bumble holding up his hands the sin and wickedness of the lower orders of this parochial district is frightful if parliament don't take their abominable courses after consideration this country's ruined and the character of the peasantry gone forever with these words the beadle strode with a lofty and gloomy air from the undertaker's premises and now that we have accompanied him so far on his road home and have made all the necessary preparations for the old woman's funeral Let us set on foot a few inquiries after young Oliver Twist and ascertain whether he will still be lying in the ditch where Toby Crackett left him. End of chapter 27